um, it started um, materializing in my outside world. Like I found recovery in February, I, I February 14th of 2021, you know, I chose Valentine's Day to reprogram my memories because I always had a lot of really bad experiences on Valentine's Day, you know, and our bodies are so powerful. Our minds are so powerful that just even an anniversary of a traumatic event will send our body into panic mode. Like our body doesn't know that we're safe, you know, like I sat there one time with a mouthful of pills, just on a memory of a traumatic event, you know? And then once I stopped and I looked around and I was like, there is nothing wrong in my life, you know? There's absolutely nothing wrong with me. Like why? There's nothing going on in my life. Like my, you know, there's nothing going on in my, in, in my relationships. Like I am perfectly safe right now, but my body still remembered, like that's how powerful we are you know, in our mind, like my, my body still remembered like, oh, this anniversary date. So it starts freaking out, you know, it doesn't know that we're not living in that situation anymore. You know, it just responds to what we're, what our mental is going through, you know? So I had to consciously stop and be like, no, there's nothing wrong in my life, you know? And then that realization totally changed everything. Like once I realized that I actually had control over my emotions, you know, like I, like I run this boat, you know, my emotions don't control me. Like you can't have a bad day with a good attitude and you can't have a good day with a bad attitude. And that choice is ultimately mine. You know, I used to say, oh, you make me angry. You make me so angry. You make me feel this way, but that is entirely not true. We are programmed to believe that that is true. You know, to overcome You must educate. Educate not only yourself, but educate anyone seeking to learn. We are all dead America. We can all learn something. To learn, we must challenge what we already understand. The way we do that is through conversation. Sometimes we have conversations with others. However, some of the best conversations happen with ourselves. Reach out and challenge yourself. Let's dive in and learn something right now. Today we're speaking with Crystal Lavender. She is a best-selling author. Her book is Say You Love. Crystal, could you please introduce yourself and let people know just a little more about you, please? Hello, thank you for having me. Um, Yes, my name is Crystal Lavender. Um, I am a published author. I published a book for my 41st birthday called Say You Love. It is a testimony over the darkness of childhood sexual trauma and addiction. You have this incredible story and it has multi-facets to it, but I recognize the struggle myself. So this should be a fascinating conversation. What got you started into the drug and the alcohol culture in the first place? Well, I believe that a lot of it started with my early childhood sexual abuse. You know, um, I was... um, I was abused as an early age of three, like I was three and a half um, the first time that I was ever abused. And then um, that continued throughout my early adulthood and into my uh, teenage years and even kind of continued, you know, the the repercussions of that continued into my adulthood for sure. Um, I had lost my ability to to say no, you know, um, the to say no, to speak out, to um, to to voice my opinion um, came with terrible consequences, you know? So at a very early age, it, I was, I was, my voice was kind of silenced. My nose were silenced. So, um, um, 1994, it was Las Vegas, Nevada, 1994. I had just moved into a trailer park off of Washington Avenue. And I remember being so excited to finally have my own room again, you know, cause me and my mom used to share a bed and, you know, 13 come with a lot of new changes. And I had this phone super glued to my ear, you know? Um, and there was also the cute older guy with his own place and own car that wanted me of all people to come over. So I devised a plan to sneak out of my house for the very first time. And from the very first time I snuck out of 
my house was the very first time that I seen it. And from the first time I seen it, it came in a brick. And at 13 years old, I thought I had found the love of my life. And we even had the same name. Hi, my name is Crystal, you know, um, and my drug, my, my, I was introduced to drugs at 13 um, by an older gentleman that, um, you know, I really wanted, I thought that that was part of being the cool kid, you know, um, when I was in, uh, just before I graduated my fifth grade year, I was on the Sally Jesse Raphael show and they flew us from Grand Junction to New York. It was like one of those daytime TV talk shows where they're like, oh, is your daughter old? Does she look older than she is and just driving you crazy? And my mom called him up, you know, and got us booked onto the show. And they flew us first class from Grand Junction to New York. You know, it was the first time I ever got picked up in a limo. It's the first time that I ever seen a homeless person standing on on the side of the street with a sign, you know. Um, I remember my limo driver rolled up the window. We were in Queens and he rolled up our window, you know, and I was like, what is that guy doing? You know, and he was flying a sign. And um, there were other, other young females on the show with me. It was Misty, Francis, and Tamara. And we went shopping the night before or before we left on the plane. We went and got new clothes. We were, I was super excited. You know, I was all dressed up. And um, once we got to the studio, the producers separated us from our family and redressed all of us. They redressed us and um, stuffed, like they st- tried to stuff my bra. They put me in some little, you know, skimpy outfits and then sent us out on stage, you know. And there were, I don't know if they were paid antagonizers out in the audience or if they were genuinely just, you know, college age men that were, you know, antagonizing us about how we dressed, you know. And of course, from my previous experiences, I kept my mouth shut, you know, even though I knew the truth inside me, like, oh, I didn't dress myself like this, you know, they dressed me like that. Um, I still sat there in silence, you know, and, and it kind of, I, I kind of um, started with that identity, you know, this is what the men want. This is what the TV wants. This is what the world wants is for us to be, you know, this over-sexual, like out of control kind of, um, rebellious teenagers so I definitely took that identity and ran with it you know um by the time I moved to Las Vegas like my parents had gotten a divorce my dad ended up marrying my mom's best friend which she had met in a sexual trauma survivor group you know that was gathering information anytime that my mom and dad fought you know she would gather information and then present the opposite to my father and my father ended up marrying my mom's best friend and we moved to Las Vegas Nevada where um my mom's mom was where my grandmother was, you know, and when we moved there, it was sight unseen at like two o'clock in the morning. I remember there being like two inches worth of cockroaches all over the ground and my mother just crying, you know, and of course I, I found the worst people I could possibly hang out with. Like I started ditching school in the sixth grade, you know, to go drink with like older gentlemen, but I was introduced to crystal meth when I was 13 years old. And by the time that I was 14 years old, I was in an outpatient drug rehabilitation, you know, and then my mom, um, being a single mother trying to raise two children, you know, um, she struggled really hard, you know, not only with her own personal she was abused as a child. She had a rough, a rough childhood herself, you know? So she, she wasn't, she didn't have the availability that we have now with all the resources we have now with help groups and with, with internet and with, you know, um, spiritual mentors or, you know, she, she was only coming from her place of awareness and we lost, um, we lost our apartment and we ended up moving into Naked City, which is like the worst neighborhood that you could possibly live in in Las Vegas. Like if you look up the worst places in Las Vegas to live, like my old apartments would pop up, you know, and I was right on Las Vegas Boulevard. And um, me and my mom shared a bed and my little brother slept on the floor, you know, and all of my neighbors were were drug addicts and prostitutes. You know, there was this old lady named Mama that used to try to give me like Billy C. Quinn shirts and like introduce me to older gentlemen, you know, and I would be at the bus station at four o'clock in the morning on Las Vegas Boulevard trying to get to school at that time. You know, and I was really naive, you know, kind of still really innocent minded, even though I wasn't doing very innocent stuff, I was still kind of innocent minded, you know, and I had a cab driver that, you know, um, offered to give me a ride, you know, and I was like thinking, well, wow, this guy's just nice, you know, and he ended up bringing me to his apartment and did what he did with me and then dropped me off at a gas station in front of my high school and handed me $20 like I was some cheap prostitute. And I never said anything to anybody about it, you know, and once again, my ability to say no 
was I, I didn't have that ability to say no, you know? Um, so I just let it happen and I didn't tell anybody about it. You know, I just carried on my, on my day, like nothing ever happened, you know? And then I ended up being homeless. I mean, cause at that point I was a drug addict. I was a, I was a very disturbed teen. My mom had absolutely no control over me, you know, and, and I, I pray, I cry for my mom for some of the things that I put her through. I couldn't imagine having to raise me as a child. It was, I was pretty, pretty rough, you know, so I ended up being homeless, um, with this boy that I met and when I moved into this, the desert with him in this brand new, you know, this nice shiny tent across the street from the McDonald's, you know, and there was like a whole homeless community. Um, like we later moved it by, by the junkyard and like, we built this little hut, you know, out of the pieces that we found from the junkyard. I mean, and I was 15 years old at that time, you know, so by 15 years old, I was already homeless living on the streets of Vegas. And I mean, it's not that I was homeless. I just didn't want to go home. Like I had a home, but I chose not right. to be there you know, and, um, I, I spiraled out of control. Like I, um, like I had runners from California that would come and bring drugs, you know? And at one point I was supposed to be grounded. And I was like, my mom's like, you can't go anywhere. These people showed up at my doorstep at like eight o'clock in the morning. And my mom's like, no, you're grounded. You can't go anywhere. And I was like, I don't even have any shoes. Where am I going to go? You know, well, I ended up taking off with them anyways, barefoot. And, um, I, had all these drugs with me, you know, and once the drugs were gone, like everybody started fighting with each other and I wasn't sure where to go. And my grandmother was in the hospital at the time and I had the keys to her apartment because I used to help take care of her, you know, when she was when sick or like I would go and poke her finger and check her blood and, you know, do her laundry and stuff like that. Well, I, I had her keys. So I, I decided I was going to go to my grandmother's apartment <clears throat> and I went to my grandma's apartment and um, I called my mom, you know, and kind of arranged to come home, you know, and she's like, okay, you know, she was freaking out, was going to put a missing persons report on me. And um, I didn't tell her where I was, but I arranged to come home. Well, I fell asleep. And when I woke back up, I picked up the phone and called my mom again, like, oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what time it is. And she was freaking out. She was like, it has been four days since you called me. Like I literally slept for four days straight. You know, I didn't get up to use the restroom. I didn't get up to eat. Like I slept for four days straight, you know? And so I came back home. Um, I ditched my entire freshman year, half my sophomore year. I got kicked out my junior year. Um, I went to Job Corps in San Diego and got kicked out of Job Corps. And then at that point, um, my mom and my little brother moved to Colorado. And I had a choice if I wanted to come with them or not, you know? And at that point I was like, well, I don't really have much going for me in Vegas anymore. So I moved to Colorado with my mom and my little brother. And after that, I took off hitchhiking. I started hitchhiking all over America and um, hopping illegal freight trains, you know? And um, like my drug addiction continued off and on throughout that time. Like it was, I found it more spiritual. Like the idea of like, that was the freest I ever was, was having absolutely nothing. You know, I, I could go anywhere I wanted to go. I could, you know, if I wasn't getting a ride one day, I could just cross the street, you know, and go back the way I came. And, you know, there was, I had no, <clears throat> nobody relying on me for, to pay bills, to take care of this or to do that. And like, I started traveling with a rainbow family. Um, the rainbow gathering is like the world's largest non-member non-organization, like group of people. It's, it's pretty much like, um, heaven for outcasts for sure, but it's open to all groups of individuals, you know, and I started learning a lot about spirit and spirituality while I was on the road, you know, that everything that I need will be provided for me. And then some, you know, so even in my early age, I, I started this spiritual foundation, you know, of everything I need. And then some is provided for me, you know, spirit talks to you in, in specific ways, like, um, I have some of that in my book. It, it's pretty fascinating, but, um, so I took off hitchhiking and um, hopping legal freight trains. Well, I found out that I was pregnant by the time I was 21. And um, so I, I hopped the train back home to my mom and started being a mom. And at that point, like I had stopped doing, doing hard drugs, you know, I would just drink alcohol, but I drank excessive amounts of alcohol and used the fact that I wasn't on drugs as an excuse to okay my behavior. Well, at least I'm not doing this, you know, and I continued with that off and on for a lot of years, you know, like I was um, involved in like punk, like I listened to punk rock music and I hung out with a bunch of punk rock kids and, you know, I had dreadlocks and um, 
you know, it, it was like more of an identity, you know, like, oh, no, like, this is my identity, you know, like, I'm this, I'm this crazy punk rock gutter, you know, street kid, you know, like, it wasn't even so much about the addiction itself, but the addiction to the lifestyle on top of it, you know, like, it, you become proud of your street name of, you know, no, I live, I, I take this corner, I lived on those streets, you know, I walk those streets every day, like, you know, you become, like, it becomes your identity. And, um, after that, um, I, I dedicated myself to being a mom, you know, um, I got a degree in machining, like I went to school and got a degree in machining and, um, I became a tattoo artist and I started tattooing. And then I was a lead singer for a thrash metal punk rock band. And, um, then I ended up with a person, <clears throat> I fell in love with somebody that was doing inappropriate things with his daughter. And that experience um, completely, completely changed my life. Um, like I went from a very outgoing, you know, just crazy, like punk rock, like let's get it, you know, full of life, like nothing can bother me to <clears throat> my soul being absolutely, completely shattered. You know, I, not only did I experience like trauma as a kid, then um, I was I was so angry with universe, like so angry with God, with universe, with everybody for, you know, the, the fact that not only did I have to deal with this as a child, but I had to go through it, you know, with somebody that I loved. And um, that experience really opened me up to the healing of the fact that like it was the hardest reality that I ever had to face you know, to actually face that reality and to, to honestly face that and to deal with the consequences of facing that. It gave me a lot more empathy for all of the other parents out there that couldn't, you know, that didn't, you know, um, cause they're like, the predators are some of the, the most convincing liars there are out there, the most gaslighting, convincing, um, people on the planet are, are predators like that, you know? So, um, it opened that, like, once I started the healing process, it opened up to, um, how, like how difficult it is, you know, for, for people to face that, you know, it gave me a lot more, a lot more forgiveness for my mom, a lot more forgiveness for my, for my grandmother, you know, and I started thinking about all the women through all the generations, through all the timelines that had faced that reality and couldn't, you know, you know, they were like, well, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong? You know, like I love that person and he would be, you know, oh, you just want me to go to prison. You want me to, you know, you're trying to get me killed. You know, um, he would use my abuse as a child against me. Like, oh, well, you're just triggered by the fact I have a daughter. And I was constantly in my mind, like, am I crazy? Am I crazy? Am I seeing this? You know, and then there was this voice always in my head. Well, what about the children, Crystal? Like, what about the children? Like, what did your mom do? What did your mom's mom do? You know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, Crystal? And um, it was, it was, it was really hard. And after that, um, I spiraled completely. Like I lost, lost myself, lost my identity, lost my faith in God, lost, lost my trust in the universe. Like I, I had a very, very angry little girl in me, you know, she was very angry, very hurt, very, you know, um, silenced, you know, um, but it also like, once I started healing, it made me understand how strong I really was to, to face that, you know, that I did what my ancestors couldn't do. I did what there's millions of people out there that that don't that can't that won't that um and and it made me understand it you know because a lot of us don't have that perspective we only have like well why didn't anything get done for me you know why didn't my mom do this why didn't anybody help me and it really made me understand like the whole other side of that perspective which gave me a lot of forgiveness you know and so I spiraled like really hardcore. They diagnosed me with um, CPTSD. Like I was super, like I would not leave my house. I didn't leave my house. I was terrified, you know, like literally terrified. I went from being this punk rock lead singer of a thrash metal band to my mom's ringtone going off in her pocket would make me bust out in tears crying. Like my startle reflex was off the chain. And, um, so I locked myself away. And once I came out 
you know, to try to come back out into the world. Um, I, um, I was reading horoscopes and stuff and my, my horoscope was like, oh, you're going to meet a Gemini. You should do anything that you can to keep him. And I was like, well, what a peculiar wording for this, you know, and I had signed myself up for this dating site and um, I met this guy that was a Gemini, you know, and for some reason, like I could not leave him alone, you know, like even though all of the red flags were there, I ignored every single one of them, you know, and it was like the most intoxicating, toxic, like even though it was so toxic, toxic, it was intoxicating. And um, I, I started doing drugs with him. You know, I started doing drugs again. Um, I hit a pipe for like one time to try to coerce him into trusting me. You know, like I, I disrespected myself because I wanted the love of him, you know, and I didn't know how to love myself. I didn't even know what that encompassed. And so I hit a pipe one time and um, five years later, I was still doing that. And um, I went from being, you know, a tattoo shop owner to um, I lost my tattoo shop. I quit my band. Um, I completely spiraled out of control. You know, I didn't, I used to not have a bedroom door at all to my bedroom door constantly being locked, you know, and um, it, it, it got pretty out of control pretty fast. Like I found myself running a hundred miles a night, you know, doing absolutely with no disregard for the consequences, you know, like I should have, there, there are so many times that I could have ended up in prison, you know, um, my, the friend that I, I had a friend that was um, also my business partner, you know, he was driving around in a stolen car and I didn't know that the car was stolen, um, but he ended up getting shot by the police, you know, and um, that kind of triggered me into like, this awakening, like I found out that I was a star seed with this, um, you know, this person that I started doing drugs with, I, I started looking into the esoteric stuff online, you know, and I found um, the term star seed and twin flame, and I started doing research on star seeds and twin flames. And it's like that began my whole healing process. Like that's, that started this domino of downloads of, you know, that everything that I had ever been through had led me to the point of where I was, you know, to understand what my mission was here on the planet, you know, that I was a, a badass um, spiritual warrior, you know, here to uplift the collective consciousness, you know, but how do I get myself out of it? So it took a long, it took quite, there was quite a journey for my spiritual awakening, you know, um, I don't know. I, I'm just talking. That's all right. That's that's what a podcast is, Crystal. You know, <laughs> there's a lot to unpack with that. You know, first first thing I want to say is congratulations. You made it through that, and you're here today. Uh, that's that's by choice. Each each choice has a consequence. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. You know, we go through this rebellion state. I, I understand that all too well. I, I missed so much school and I, I was down in the park smoking weed and getting high and drinking and running the streets, running them up and so much more. And I've been on both sides of the fence with that sexual behavior, you know, and before I got my awakening, I did not understand how much of my past was driving that ambition of sexual desire. Mm -hmm. It was so much to really flee from. And that's what I was doing, running from it so I didn't have to face it. Many of us do that. And... I chose hitchhike and my brothers did the freight train, all that. No, I'm not doing that. I, I, I like to ride in a car and meet people, get meet to know people. people. I love to do that, you know, and I met so many fabulous people by doing that. So all of these experience, they really round you into a well-rounded individual and you talked about being empathetic and understanding people so much more now. That's truly what life brings to us 
in our final chapters and when we're willing to accept truth and that gives us balance uh, truly i did not find that whole truth until i was in my 50s you know 50 52 right in there and now i'm 57 so it's fairly new to me that i'm totally truthful with who i am and why i was that way and that took a lot of game-changing choices that i made the people i wanted to be around who i admired what i respected and most of all i respected myself because i understood all right you're forgiven your behavior's forgiven and there's a new beginning what do you want to make it once i made that decision then it was i don't need to listen to the negative i'm going to make this positive for myself because i was raised in negative and i i watched death and violence and destruction and i, I watched women go wild grabbing you, you know those old mop ringers my aunt grabbed one of those metal mop ringers and took out the whole windows of my uncle's jeep because of these angers and mm -hmm. nobody took time to understand and control what was happening in their lives this is why you're strong crystal the ability to stand and say no that's a choice talk to me about the choices and why it's so important to make your own choices well i realized that um i, I was very codependent you know i was codependent to the approval of other people like i said yes to a lot of things that my internal soul wanted to say no to in fear of abandonment from these people you know like okay yeah i'll do that yeah i'll go do this yes you can live here yes i'll you know i was a constant yes person constantly giving and giving and giving you know um i didn't know that doing an f boys laundry at two o'clock in the morning was disrespectful to myself you know i thought that okay well if i give this person this and i show up for them in this way and you know I keep giving and giving and giving that they will love me, you know, and the exact opposite is true because I was only expressing to them that I had no respect for myself. You know, I had no idea what setting healthy boundaries were, uh, you know, like being a boss bitch, excuse my language was, was a cliche term that I had no idea what encompassed. I had no idea. Like everybody's like, Oh yeah, self-love, love yourself, you know, but nobody tells you that that means you have to tell people you love. No. You know, That's nobody right. tells you that you are that that the loving self is is saying no to circumstances, people, situations, places that your internal gut like is screaming at you. Like my internal self would, no, don't do that. You know, like no, I don't want to do this. You know, people would come and ask me, hey, can I come and live with you? I've got this and this and this going on. You know, and my insides would cringe. You know, but I would still let them move into my place. You know, and I was constantly going against myself self and disrespecting my own values, my own feelings, you know? So once I learned that I was allowed to say no, like I turned into a toddler, right. like everything became no. Hey, Crystal, do you want to? Nope. You know what I mean? It was like my favorite word. Hey, <laughs> hey, do you want to know? You know what I mean? Like I, it was like, I, it was like almost like how you see in a toddler, like they be, they, that, that became my That's favorite right. word, you know? And once I learned to say no without backing down like I was being hit like a dog, you know, like I, you always re expect this, this reaction, you know, when you say no, like you say no as a question instead of a statement, like you're waiting for somebody, you're waiting for that backlash, you know, and then once I, once I found my footing, like it, it became more of a statement, like no, you know, very matter of fact knows, then I didn't get that that backlash anymore. I didn't have anybody trying to weasel their way into a yes. I didn't have anybody trying to emotionally blackmail me towards, you know, changing my own my own personal like like conviction, 
Like it became, you know, at first it was really, really difficult. You know, like I said, no, you know, and that means you're going to hate me. That means that you're going to abandon me. That means that, you know, does that make me a bad friend? Does that make me a bad, a bad child? Does that make me a bad partner? You know, and once I realized that absolutely the, the opposite was the truth, I became more grounded in my conviction. It became more of a statement rather than a question, you know, and that was like my first step towards actually finding recovery. I mean, I give all the credit to God, the God of my understanding, the God of your understanding. It does like, I love them all. It doesn't matter to me what you call it, but, um, God placed, um, Adam into my messenger one day and Adam, I was like, all of a sudden this message shows up in my inbox, you know, and I had started learning about the law of attraction, you know, and about how, uh, how my internal, my internal conversations like the universe only says that is correct. Here are some more of whatever it is that you believe. I don't believe that the that God is like this omnius omnius man in the sky that's judging us for every decision. You know, it just it gives us more of what we believe. So if I believe that I am a victim, then it's going to hand me more evidence of the fact that I am a victim. You know, if I believe that I'm just being used all the time, that all my friends are liars and you know nobody's there for me, the universe has no choice but to to show up in the way that you believe. So I started talking like my, 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 I started changing my internal dialect towards myself, you know, and I started telling myself, um, like I, I, I started learning about law attraction and changing my internal dialect and learning how to set proper boundaries and learning how to say no, you know, I got rid of all the people that, cause, cause I had so many people living in my house, you know, it was ridiculous. I, I was super, super just miserable. And all of like my internal was miserable, miserable. So all of my outside was miserable, you know? And um, so I started slowly chipping away at the people, places and things that know that were not part of my alignment, you know, not part of what I wanted to do with myself, not part of, you know, me respecting myself. Like I started telling people, no, I kicked, I was kicking people out. I had to evict my best friend out of my backyard, you know, because it wasn't conductive towards being healthy. You know, I had to really take a stand in my own, you know, sanctuary, my own peace and put that of utmost importance, which I had never done ever in my life. And um, so I was started learning about law of attraction and being a star seed and like a star seed when I, when I came across the term star seed, um, everything just started clicking into place. Like a star seed to me, like my tattoo shop's name was sin eaters and a sin eater back in the day was, um, during the plague, like the rich people would pay a degenerate in town to eat the sins of the deceased person so they could get into heaven. And my tattoo shop's name was Sin Eater, you know? So when I found the the term starseed and I started doing the research of it, it's like a starseed is like a literal, like spiritual version of that. Like a starseed is a volunteer that comes to the earth to eat the sins of the planet, to take on all of this trauma, to tie, to tie, offset the balance of the negative that's in the on the planet and to transmute that energy into love and light you know so that we can spread unconditional love to the ley lines of the planet you know and help lift the collective consciousness and once I really started doing research on that like it's like all of these things just clicked into place it was like that's why my tattoo shop was named sin eaters that's why I had been put through the things that I had been put through so that I could pull myself out of it to show other people how to do it you know and it wasn't that these things were happening happening to me, you know, at, at, at one point I was extreme victim mode. Oh, it's all happening to me, you know? And once I took the power away from that and was like, no, I'm a volunteer here. You know, even if it wasn't true that I'm a volunteer to help eat the sins of the planet, you know, that, that still empowered me to be able to heal those aspects that were hurting inside myself. You know, it's a much better story to be like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a badass spiritual warrior here to, you know, eat on, eat the sins of the planet. than it was to, I'm a victim, you know, all of these terrible things just happened to me, you know? And so it really started the process of, of, of healing for me. And I started posting all these really crazy spiritual stuff, you know, like I was having all these spiritual downloads and um, this person ended up in my inbox and in messenger in, and I have all kinds of people in my friends list. Cause I was in a band and I was a tattoo artist. So I, I did a lot of networking, you know, and I was like, well, who is this person that I'm talking to? And I go and click to see who it is. And it, it was Adam vibe Gutten, and he is the founder of recovered on purpose. And once I ran across that phrase recovered on purpose, I was like, 
recovered on purpose. I was like, I want to say that, you know, because I was still in, in active addiction. You know, I knew that that's not where I wanted to be. And I knew that I was supposed to be some sort of spiritual teacher. But how are you supposed to be a spiritual teacher when you're smoking drugs? You know, and I was like, I kept justifying it in myself. Well, you can't you can't just be in a room full of light, you know, like what good is a lit room going to do in the darkness, you know, like you have to be in the dark in order to pull the people out of the light. So I was kind of justifying it in that way. And I was like, no, if you're going to be about it, you got to, if you're going to do it, you got to be about it. You know, like you have to get through it in order to teach it. You know, nobody wants to talk to somebody that's never been through it. You know, nobody's going to listen right. to, to, um, you know, somebody like a, if you're getting advice on how to become a millionaire from somebody that's living on the street, you're, you're not going to want to take that advice. It's like, you got to right. show, show me, you know, that you, that you've done it. So I started putting in the work towards, um, recovered on purpose, you know, after I ran across that phrase, I don't know what it was about that phrase, but it just kept running in my mind, you know, and then me learning about the law of attraction. I was like, I am recovered on purpose. I just kept telling myself that even when I was in active addiction, I was like, I am recovered on purpose, you know? And then the more I told myself that the more it became true, I be, I started, started, um, it started, um, materializing in my outside world. Like I, found recovery in February, I, I, February 14th of 2021, you know, I chose Valentine's day to reprogram my memories. Cause I always had a lot of really bad experiences on Valentine's day, you know, and our bodies are so powerful. Our minds are so powerful that just even an anniversary of a traumatic event will send our body into panic mode. Like our body doesn't know sure. that we're safe. You know, like I sat there one time with a mouthful of pills, just on a memory of a traumatic event, you know? And then once I stopped and I looked around and I was like, there is nothing wrong in my life, you know? That's right. There's absolutely nothing wrong with me. Like why, there's nothing going on in my life. Like my, you know, there's nothing going on in my, in, in my relationships. Like I am perfectly safe right now, but my body still remembered, like that's how powerful we are you know, in our mind, like my, my body still remembered like, oh, this anniversary date. So it starts freaking out, you know, it doesn't know that we're not living in that situation anymore. You know, it just responds to what we're, what our mental is going through, you know? So I had to That's consciously right. stop and be like, no, there's nothing wrong in my life, you know? And then that realization totally changed everything. Like once I realized that I actually had control over my emotions, you know, like I, like I run this boat, you know, my emotions don't control me. Like you can't have a bad day with a good attitude and you can't have a good day with a bad attitude. And that choice is ultimately right. mine. You know, I used to say, oh, you make me angry. You make me so angry. You make me feel this way, but that is entirely not true. We are programmed to believe that that is true. You know, like by these music, media, TV, they always have this, you know, once you find this other person, like you'll, you'll live happily ever after, but they never tell you that that happiness actually comes from inside of you, you know, like yes. we're always looking from, for some sort of external solution for an internal problem, you know, like we're always looking for this happy. Well, if I get this job, I'll be happy. If I get this money, then I'll be happy. You know, well, what, what happens when you get them? Then what, you know? Or what happens if it goes, then what are you going to do? Like, how are you going to regulate right. your own internal feelings? You know? So I had to do That's a right. lot of accountability. Like I had to be accountable for my emotions. You know, I had to be accountable for the yeah. fact that all the toxic relationships that I had ever been through, I seen that they were toxic from the, from the get and I ignored them, you know? And then I had this idea that I could change them, that my love would change them. You know, and if you love somebody and you're, if you love somebody for their potential of who they could be, then you don't really love them, you know? Right. That's true. Like, you you know, with, with life there, there's so much, you said it, people, places, and things. And I have my own personal theory about that. It's called the muddy shoe life. And we're like a muddy shoe that's trekking down a muddy path and we're all trying to get to the end. Well, you've walked through mud, you know how heavy that can get. Well, it's, it's my theory that people, places and things are the mud and they will stick to you or you have to wipe them off, but you're going to walk through the mud 
to get to the end of the trail. The secret here, the good mud always sticks with you. It's up in the, you know, soles of your shoe. And even when you wipe the thick, heavy mud off, that mud is still in the creases and stuff. So those people and places and things, they'll stick with you to the end. But the heavy stuff you got to get off or else you're going to tire yourself. And that's separation from that. When you find that rock, take a moment and just scrape the hell out of your life. And that takes some deep work. Yeah. Well, the beautiful thing about that is other people are walking the same trail. And that mud that we scrape off, it has a chance to make it to the end of the trail because there's a lot more shoes coming by. So there's always hope for even the heavy mud. The, the trick is you've got to find the want to get to the end with purpose. Yep, and with that purpose. is, that's the reason. You have to have a purpose, a meaning. And when you do, you find your passion. And all of those heavy things, they melt away. They go away. It's like you find a hose and rinse it all off. The beautiful thing is we all go through that muddy shoe life. And we never know what that mud's going to be. And if we all recognize that, then we can set down like we are here today and have conversations. And we can acknowledge each other that you did pretty darn good getting through this. So congratulations. Now, with that, I want to help other people understand mm -hmm. the muddy shoe life. That is the theory. And that's really the devotion that I have because of all of those ugly things that I've done, people have done to me. You learn to forgive. And, you know, I'm a Christ follower. So I go to the cross. And uh, when Christ was there hanging between two thieves, you know, he says, uh, Forgive them, Father. They know not what they do. And he's talking about all of us. Mm -hmm. So when we find that forgiveness, that empathy, then we can Christ really be something. Yes, exactly. And unconditional love is the most beautiful thing that I could have ever discovered. That's right. You know, I, I right. found Jesus in my in my story. Like I did find Jesus. You know, I grew up really, really pagan. Like I grew up very pagan mm -hmm. um, in covens and all this stuff. Like I always stared away from the church. Like you, you mentioned the word God and I automatically put up a wall, you know, so I have mm -hmm. empathy for people that 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 are that feel that way. You mentioned that one That's word right. and they're like instant defense, you know? So I was there. I, like I have I have a very yeah, me too. I I was there too. So um, but but with my understanding and my awareness of unconditional love, like love just is the people, the the who, the what, the where, right. the when, the why are all conditions of something that is just unconditional, you know? And the way that that I see like you and I see every human on the planet is like, we're an expression of God that is here experiencing every single possible possibility that there is to experience, you know, like we are living representations right. of what it's like to feel everything that there is to feel in the world. You know, I will never right. know what it's like to be you. You, I could be the most empathic person in the world and deeply feel everything right. that you are explaining to me, but it'll still only be from my perspective. You know, that's important. You can say the word taco. You, you can say the word taco and my taco and your taco, even if you describe it down to the T, you know, cheese, chicken, this, that will always, I only can come from my own perspective, my own perception of what you are saying. You know, I mean, how do you explain right. jacuzzi bubbles to somebody that's never sat in a jacuzzi? You know, so I feel right. that each one of us is a living representation of God, of the most high, you know, and every single one of us is having an experience for 
for the most high, you know, and every single one of our experiences is, has purpose and validation, you know, and I am not here to judge what your, what your experience right. is like. If I see somebody doing something that I might not agree with, I'm like, wow, that God is having a very, you know, that representation of God <laughs> is having a very interesting experience, you know, but yes. as a, I will, I don't know what it's like to stand as a tree in one spot for a hundred years, you know, but that tree does. I don't know what it's like to be that bird living in that tree, weathering the storm day after day, you know, and finally able to see the sunlight. Like that's why birds are so happy. The sun comes up, you know, I mean, they sit in their little nest and weather the storm, that bird understands what that's like, you know? And I, I I believe that we are all living representations of, of God, you know? And so when we judge people, like what's chaos, to the fly is normal to the spider and the God doesn't judge the spider for being the spider and doesn't judge the fly for being the fly, you know, right. We internalize that, you know, so finding that, like I have S Y L that's why my book is called say you love, you know, and it's, it's because I, I try to have a constant reminder that everything that comes out of my mouth, everything that comes out of my heart, every, every is to be is to be handled with love, you know, because I am I am right. here as a representation of the most high, of God, of Christ yeah. consciousness, you know? And um I and couldn't be more a, thankful. That's a work of art always. You know, I, I'm every day I have to adjust for that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when we have a bad day, we have to remember that. And we, if we keep our sense about that, that will keep us from relapsing into our old behaviors, because Mm -hmm. you already talked about those trigger points. That's basically what that is, that bad day feeling, something triggered that. So Mm -hmm. you've got to recognize that, own that. And that's the beauty of growing. Crystal, do you have... Oh, awareness ahead. is amazing like to be aware like i mean the only mistakes we make in life are the ones we don't learn from because i mean if you honestly don't know something then how is it a mistake it's a mistake you'll have an opportunity to do it again until you realize that that stove is hot you know but yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't harp on my child for for touching the hot hot you know what i mean like you don't you're not going to harp on your child for touching that hot stove you know 10 years ago like we do ourselves you know we do not give That's ourselves we do not give ourselves the same forgiveness that we give other people you know we we yes. really harp on ourselves like we're we're really hard on ourselves and don't forgive ourselves for for our past mistakes for the things that we didn't that we were not aware of at that time like i was not aware that i was in victim mode you know i had no idea what that even looked like you know and until i became aware of what that was then i could make the appropriate adjustments inside myself for my own internal growth you know and awareness right. is key. So you can't beat yourself up for the things that you are not aware of or for the, the lessons that you that you didn't find the meaning for yet, you know? Right. But when you do find the awareness, take action mm-hmm. because that's what life is about, taking action. Don't sit there and be scared because you open a door, you can always shut it. You know, you don't have to walk through it. And I, so, I think that that the consequences once you're aware of of repeating the same mistake, because that's actually a mistake when you know right. better and you do it anyways. I think the consequences get greater and greater each time, and so the lessons get harder yeah. and harder. You know, yeah. until you finally uh, are like, that. okay, I'm done. Like I'm not doing that ever yep. again. You know. Yep, that's right. And I I equate that to the cup of wrath that is talked about by religious people and once you've had enough you don't want it anymore no it's it's a great feeling when you get to that point in life because that's when you truly start living do you have a way for people to find your book what's Um, the easiest way for them to get a hold of that um, I have, it is published on Amazon. Um, it's Say You Love by Crystal Lavender. You might have to push the little book part of it when you're looking for the categories or whatnot. Or I have a website. Um, you can get a free download. It is crystal-lavender.com. Um, my name, that is my birth given name. So if you want to find me on Facebook, I'm on Facebook. If you would like a signed copy, I'm, I'm always more than willing to um, 
to send out signed copies. And if anybody has any questions on the process of writing a book, I mean, I did it all within five weeks and all on my phone. Like I didn't have a computer yeah. at the time. So I did it all talk talk to text and the whole process was done on my phone. So that's one less limitation that, you know, if somebody out there was, was wanting to write a book, but they don't feel they have the resources to do that. Like you most definitely can. We all have them in our pockets all the time, That's awesome. you know? And, um, yeah. I did it within five weeks. Like once, once God opened that door for me and I walked through it, like it, it all fell in place like that. So, um, if anybody has any questions about the process or, um, wants to speak about their, their, um, like addiction recovery or how to find recovery or the steps it takes for recovery or how I did. I mean, I only have my perspective, you know, but um, I have lots of resources and I am a certified recovery um, coach and speaker. And um, I definitely advocate for recovered on purpose. Like I, it was recovered on purpose through the testimony of Adam that helped save me. So I am paying that forward with my own testimony to help save other people. And if there, if you have a testimony out there that you want to share, like, please get in contact with me. Like I have, I have resources and I have the people and um, the experience on how you can go about, you know, publishing your testimony or sharing your testimony. Like, I believe that we need to be loud and proud, you know, about the things that we overcome for any kind of recovery. You know, if it's gambling, if it's porn addiction, if it's codependency, if you recovered from any, any kind of recovery from childhood trauma, from, you know, narcissistic abuse, from parental abuse, like tell your story powerfully because there's somebody out there that like only we can save them, you know, like the system. It's breaking the cycle. Yes. Breaking that cycle. You've got to break the cycle. That's right. It's so important. And the system has failed us in so many ways, you know, but us together, we once we change our internal world, you know, once we change it from the inside, I truly believe that if we can come in and change ourselves from the inside, we can really truly change the entire world. You know, there ain't That's no right. unity without community. That's right. And, and that is so hard when we're stuck. You know, that word community, sometimes you want to hide and run and, you know, not get involved, but that's not the answer. You know, there are people of like mind that have been through the experiences that you've been through. Mm-hmm. And it's good to talk to those people because it reassures you you're not alone. not alone. This world is filled with people that care about you. Yep. Crystal, it's been such a pleasure having this conversation with you. And it's nice to have you part of the dead america family thank you for joining thank us thank you today. very much for having me it's an honor i really appreciate it thank you for joining us today if you found this podcast enlightening entertaining educational in any way please share like subscribe and join us right back here next week for another great episode of dead america podcast I'm Ed Waters, your host. Enjoy your afternoon, wherever you may be.